Welcome to the Note to Scene podcast. I'm Matt Crane. I'm Tyler Sharp. And every week we chronicle the biggest news in the music scene. Find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, where you should please rate and review us. Email us at notetoscene at gmail.com. We have a lot to talk about this week. Big news from Blink-182 and Riot Fest. But first, we're going to talk about the 1975, who are back with a big song and a big mood. Let's go. Did you see that uh, the main were banned from Twitter? I did, dude. What the hell happened? It's pretty funny. I saw someone tweet like, "I can't believe I have more followers than the main do," oh, and like they retweeted it. Sick they lost burn. all of their followers. Are you you want to break it down or? I mean, not really. I just think it's <laughs> savage as fuck that Twitter did that to them. It, I guess they sent them a notification, be like, "Yo, put your birthday in," and yeah. they put it in, and they put it as the day that their band formed, or the year that their band formed, or whatever, and that makes them eleven years old. And you're not allowed to have a social media account if you're under the age of thirteen. And Twitter's been cracking down on it ever since the Lil Tay drama, and you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Fucking Lil so. Tay ruining everything for everyone. Lil Tay, goddamn it, Lil Tay. Scene bands future. You know, we backed that baby, but I don't think we can back Lil Tay. Dude, um, uh, oof. That's that's a <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast, man. That's a whole other like podcast series. Um yeah, that's just savage. From a branding perspective, losing all of your followers. Like they're not Kanye West. They can't delete their Twitter and then have thirty million followers, you know, when they reactivate it. That's gonna that's rough. Right. But from what I understand, they're getting them all back slowly. In Hopefully. In, in like waves. I think that's what's gonna happen. But yeah, what what a random ass story, man. Just just as the scene convulses on its way let's down. Start, <laughs> let's start taking out their Twitter accounts too. Right, okay. Yeah. Um all right, let's do a listener question. And uh, this one comes in from listener Daniel, who writes into notescene at gmail.com. Daniel says, hey, guys, love the show. I never, first of all, I never get tired of hearing that. Please keep saying that. I'm a 29-year-old emo kid. I was wondering if you guys were fans of Ryan Ross and John Walker's short-lived side project, The Young Veins. Do you think that either of those two guys regret leaving Panic? I know it was the Brendan Urie show. It's the Brendan Urie show now. But at one point, Ryan was the man in Panic! at the Disco who wrote the music and the lyrics. My first reaction to this question is, who the fuck is John Walker? <laughs> like, holy shit. Like, I was like, John Walker, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan Kenobi, John Walker. That right. is a name I have not heard since all before you were born. Like, right. that was a dude. <laughs> Holy shit! Throwing it back. Where's John Walker? Yeah, this is this is interesting because we got um we talked we mentioned the Young Bane's the last episode when we were talking about but Ryan John Ross. Walker like, uh, is he still he, a guy? Is he still alive? <laughs> is he a guy? I just like that was a dude. I don't know what rock he crawled under. Yeah, so he's a normie an- now. Yeah, totally. But to answer uh, Daniel's question about what I you know if I was a fan of this we were fans of this project for me. No, um, I fucking hated this project. Um, to me, this project was like if you took the pretty odd poison and panic, it was all sucked out. And then that poison, that pretty odd poison made and formed its own band. That's what the Young Veins were to me. I hated this band. How about you, T-Sharp? Yeah, it was a continuation of a bad era from Panic! at the Disco. Pretty Odd was a letdown, and then we got even further let down. <laughs> um, but I do like what he said about Ryan Ross. Ryan Ross was the dude, man. Like, remember when... This was one of my favorite stories you ever ran at Alternative Press. When One Direction <laughs> kicked out Zane and someone went oh, on their Wikipedia no. page and added Ryan Ross as the official new member of One Direction and you ran a story with that headline. I yeah. di- I was in class at the time. I oh burst out laughing, man. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, we were we 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 ran it with this angle of like cuz somebody had edited the One Direction Wikipedia and just dropped Ryan Ross in the member section. So we wrote it with this angle that that 
person who messed with the Wikipedia was just the Dark Knight's Joker who just wanted to watch the world burn. You know, mm-hmm. like what chaos to cause chaos all day. That was the number one story on our site for like three days. It was, fucking it was massive, it was, man. It was massive. It was that was perfect. Everyone yeah. was all those one D fans were like, who is Ryan Ross? Oh, what's a Ryan Ross? <laughs> so much fun. Good times. But yeah, I mean, like we said last episode, Ryan Ross was he was big for panic. You know, he was a yeah. personality. But uh, this shit, Young Veins, <laughs> this hard, shit, man. <laughs> totally couldn't agree more. Tyler Sharp. Yep. Um, we thank Daniel for writing in. If you have any questions, feel free to send them in to note scene at gmail.com. But Tyler Sharp, holy shit, man, we got to move on. We have a lot to talk about this week. There's been a lot going on in the scene lately. Definitely. So let's get right into it. Um, the 1975 are back. They released their new single, Give Yourself a Try and announced their third LP, A Brief Inquiry into Online Relationships. So, you know, there's a lot to unpack here, Tyler, with this band and this song and everything surrounding it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we should just, let's just start with the song. Tyler, tick, 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 start. <laughs> how much time you got, man? And what did you think of the new 1975 song? So this is a big evolution for the band. It doesn't have their kind of bouncy riffs that they've been known for over their last two records. It's got a very kind of, I have in my notes, like light industrial feel. When you say industrial, you kind of think industrial rock, this heavy kind of mechanical vibe. But this is almost I see what you mean, though. It's very like light techno almost, but it still has more edge than techno has or had back in the 2000s. Shouts to techno. But um, (laughs) it's really weird, man. I really love this song. And I wasn't expecting to because I was not a fan of the last 1975 record at all. I was really let down by it. I felt like they didn't deliver on the hype from their first record. You know, it had the smashes like Chocolate, Sex, Girls. Those songs are pretty undeniable. And I felt like the last record didn't have anything that really jumped out and could really propel the band. But surprisingly, it really kind of maintained their stature in the music industry. And then they come back with this total kind of... Not a total rebrand on this song, mm-hmm. but you know they have the aesthetic change, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, like these verses, he kind of cooks. He's got a nice flow. I love the vocal melody. the The chorus is a little redundant after a while, but I think it f- serves the song well. And that's what I always say, like to musicians, serve the song. Don't be going out of your ass to do different things. And there's a lot of lyrics in here that that I really like gravitated towards. Um, And we'll go go through them. One that I'll just point out right now. I found a gray hair in one of my zoots. Like context in the modern debate, I just took it out. Oh my gosh. I know. That's a killer one, did I say? Dropping the fire, Maddie. Oh my gosh. But um, (laughs) I'm a big fan of this song. I was not expecting to be. I think it has a very... In a weird sense, a very booming, kind of busy feel to it. There's a lot mm-hmm. going on in the background instrumentally. And I think Maddie's voice is just very smooth. And there's a good dichotomy there. It, it's not jarring, but it feels important. So, What is your score on this song, Tyler Sharp? I'm at an 8 out of 10, man. Oh, Banger Nation. We are here. Sound banger the siren, status. man. Sound the siren. I felt a way about this song man all right i felt a way about this video hell yeah i feel a way about this band man appreciate dude, it i dude. felt a way tyler sharp <laughs> uh, so first off the guitar oh right. my god you have this like shrieking distorted banshee guitar riff that's set on a loop mm-hmm. and it's emotive it's nostalgic and romantic and defeating this is the this guitar riff is the frosting on top of the frosting <laughs> on top of the cake it's the frosting on top of the lesser frost holy it's, shit oh my god that guitar riff has a bite that pierces your soul you must listen to this song <laughs> just just to hear that guitar riff at least you know matt healy described this song as as quote faded splendor and i don't know why but that just sounds perfect like it's, it's pretty it just, accurate just fits um 
you know, vocally, he's Healy is vulnerable and, and flamboyant on the song, but mm-hmm. also like touching and, and rich. Um, not very showy. You know, there's no more 80s pop flash here Thank like God. we had in the last record. Mm-hmm. Back to rock. And, you know, rock is rock is dying. You know, we always talk about it. It's the end of rock. Rock's over. Every week there's a new article about how rock music is fading away. But the 1975, man, like, they make me think, like, this rock and roll thing. Like, there might be something left here. You know, yeah. we might be able to do rock still. And um, I saw, I ran, this is random, but I saw a comment on some forum where some dude just said, I'm going to play that riff nonstop at a guitar center. And just the idea <laughs> of somebody obnoxiously shrieking that riff at a guitar center, you yeah. know, just as loud as can be. That just cracked me up and brought joy to my heart. You know, I never do this, but... I'm giving this song a 9 out of 10. Holy shit, man. Is that like the highest rating you've ever given on the show? This must I, be, I, this is like your song of the I year, think, man. I think the only other 9 I've ever given was to science fiction. Okay, all right, As all a, right. So yeah, Holy 9 out of 10. Shit, this is a man. great You song. like this more than I do. I think you, yeah. I think you want to have sex with that guitar riff or something. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, man. Dude, this video... So you must let's, watch the video. Oh, let's um, talk about the video, man. Yeah, let's talk about the video and we'll get some lyrics. We're going to go through everything, Tyler. Cool. Um, he's Gerard Way and Haley Williams combined, combined into one and also the voice of the millennial generation. Like, this video is great. I think it'll be iconic. Like, what did you think of the video? I was all about it, man. I love yeah. his... Listen, we got to talk about Maddie's pants, man. The flood has arrived, <laughs> the dude. The pants. But he pulls it off. Like, he's never make flooding... Flooding pants have never looked better than they do on Maddie. I, I, I can't get over it. And then, of course, the hair. And can we talk about the guy liner? I mean, holy yeah. shit, he looks like he walked right out of 2006, man. The 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 bassist is guy lining it up, too. Right? He's not the only one man doing it. They're bringing right. guy liner back. Right, absolutely. His dance moves, the way he acted in the video, it didn't feel unnatural. You know, as opposed to um, uh, a certain other front woman who released an album last year. That makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Um, careful right yeah okay um it felt natural like this felt like this just felt like him it didn't feel forced at all the get up the look it fits well dude um, it's like i mean the hair did you see i mean he's obviously been getting a lot of shit about looking like Haley williams did you see Haley williams go to bat for him on twitter (sighs) but she kind of like i i did she said y'all need to leave him alone and then she tried to sell some hair dye you know which is that's what she's gonna do i don't have anything wrong with the plug and then matt healy called Haley an emo icon and thanked her for for defending him but let fans be fans right i don't think it's not bad that we're comparing him to Haley williams right because of the hair you know no yeah i I I think it's a great thing i don't think think, i didn't like the first part of Haley's tweet that that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. I thought okay. it's just like Haley, let let the fans be. Like, why can't we just be? <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, she's. I think she she was just excited about the song and wanted to be a part of the moment. You know. And, yeah, and that's, I that's don't know. It came off. A, I, I think so, but you don't mind having Haley Williams chiming sure. in on your shit. You no, know, if totally. you're Matt Haley, like, you, yeah. right? And he knows, but um, just the way she, you know, she is all. Lo- she started the tweet <laughs> all know. lowercase. Lol. It's just like, come on, Haley. Oh, okay. We got to move on. I can't talk about it um, anymore. Yes. Yeah, so this song, man, uh, and, and you tell me your interpretation. Um, my interpretation, and I've also heard the band kind of talk about it. You know, it's like a critique about being a millennial and also about being okay with being a millennial. Like it's sort of ensuring there's like there's an anxiety to this song and I feel it. Like, I feel away, man. Like, I'm jittery, but I'm loving it. The song, like, the song, it ends up not really resolving itself or that anxiety, and it's kind of defeating. It's an imperfect song, but that's what makes it good. Absolutely. um, Yeah, the New York Times, of course, put this better than I can. They said, um, (laughs) the verses hold regrets and self-criticism countered by the encouraging chorus. And that's ultimately this song i mean this song makes me not feel good about myself or my generation but at least i feel something other than numb which is what rock music makes me feel now all the time right 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 to get away from the lyrics for a second i don't know if i'd call this rock it's like industrial brit pop to me 
You know, I know that it's got that really jarring riff to it, but like, you know, it's still got those kind of like 808 drums to it. And like your average rock fan now is going to absolutely hate this. This That's is the biggest this, thing. This, this is where rock needs to go, though. It's That's where, the thing. Oh, this I is totally the future agree. of rock. I, I don't know. Okay. All right. Hold on. I don't know if it's the future. <laughs> <laughs> like, you put this in front of a Five Finger Death Punch fan, and they're, like, tossing oh. it out the fucking window, man. Like, they don't this want anything super, to do with this. But millennial Snapchat generation, like, totally. if they're going to hook onto rock, which they don't, this is something I think they can hook onto. Whereas yes. they can't hook onto Five Finger Death Punch. Right. This Absolutely. can't be the new rock they can hook onto. I totally agree there. So you want to dive into some of these lyrics real quick? So yeah, real quick though, before we do, I want to say, um, forget about my chemical romance coming back. Forget forget this band. This can be the rock band that leads us. We don't need Gerard to lead us anymore. If we can all just agree on this band, if we can all just fucking agree that they're going to be the ones we can make this happen. They can lead. They can bring it back. I don't know though. It's going to happen. Oh you know, my you know, god, you know, dude! I was not. I I am not prepared for you to step up to the plate <laughs> this the hard club. for the 1975. I have never. I don't know of any other band you've batted this hard for. <laughs> I've been a fan for a long time, and I, I mean, just, we. It was hard to not be a fan of that first record, but like, weren't you disappointed by the last one a little bit? Um, I was a little bit, and and and, and we can get into that later after we go okay. through uh, right. the lyrics here okay um so well, yeah let's just go through some lines um i'm gonna start when your vinyl in your coffee collection is a sign of the times you're getting spiritually spiritually enlightened at 29 holy shit there like that as far as critiquing the millennial generation like what i took away from that you know we live in a time like vinyl and coffee collections are things you know what i mean it's just totally. an absurd millennial thing vinyls used to just be the, the way the masses listen to music. Coffee used to be a, a middle working class shitty drink that was a means to an end, you know, but millennials, we've turned them into these like prestige items. Trendy, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like pulling that out and you're spiritually enlightened at 29. You know, it, it's, it's kind of just, we think we're such great thinkers as this generation. And I also wonder, and I got to ask you, sign of the time, you know, is a sign of the time. <laughs> sign of the time. Is that not a, not a jab or a shot, but like, is it an, is it a light nudge at Harry Styles? Cause he kind of embodies that, you know, that fake, coolness like you know the way they're trying to revive him as this this, this fake 70s rocker, rocker. Yeah. yeah like no. the time. is that a shot like i mean i wouldn't doubt it you know the uk homies what's uh what's one of your favorites t-shirt definitely my favorite of the whole song is i found a gray hair in one of my zoots like a context in a modern debate i just took it out because i mean that's just what we do now you know there's no context around fucking anything and uh, it's very difficult to have educated modern debates about anything, dude. Because it's we're just... difficult. It's difficult to disagree with anyone about anything before it turns into straight savagery. Right. Like you can't be friends if you're gonna disagree. Oh yeah. So totally. I, 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 mean... I I heard that line when a first time through the song, and I was like, holy shit, that's it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like a po- in a post-Trump moment. world, that that's how it is. You know, totally. all debates remove context. And the other one is later on in that verse, another line down, where he just says, and getting STDs at 27 really oh, isn't the vibe. Let <laughs> me drop a bomb on that, T-Sharp. Let me drop a bomb All on right, that. You, oh, you got the T? And getting STDs at 27 isn't the vibe. To me, this is a, a side hand to, and this is just how I take it, to okay. the whole Tinder hookup dating generation that we have become okay that is kind of shameful like this just tinder one night stand bullshit that we've all kind of participated in our whole millennial generation and i think that's him just kind of rolling his eyes at that you know and getting stds at 27 isn't the vibe this shouldn't be what we're about yo let's start getting real relationships again right yeah let's take it back so Um... that's my tip and it, man it just hit me like fire what did you think i was i couldn't get over the fact that he chose 27 like wouldn't getting an std at any age be <laughs> isn't, isn't a vibe <laughs> yeah but it really is just common like like hot take commentary on the world today of yeah. the youth generation of he's millennials just, he's just scorching his own generation but then saying it's okay give it give yourself a try it's such a bizarre lyrical approach um another line i just fucking adored um it's a little bit longer 
And you'll make a lot of money, and it's funny, because you'll move somewhere sunny and get addicted to drugs and spend obscene amounts on fucking seeds and beans online. Seeds and beans, <laughs> beans pills and weed. And that's, right. that's kind of, you know, you'll get rich, you move somewhere nice like L.A., but then you just end up fucking buying pills and weed online, you know? That's kind of, he's admitted to being a drug addict, um, a, a former drug addict. He says he's fine now. And that I think that's kind of his autobiographical line is, you know, he got a lot of money, got into drugs. Totally. And uh, I think really cool of him to put it in the song like that like it's almost like turning the turning the mirror back on himself not just the generation but me hey me look at me right there's there's so many hot takes i mean the only apparatus required for happiness is your pain and fucking going outside like (laughs) (laughs) right holy shit so i look back to the beginning and um this is the most manufactured assembly line band ever put together um like i remember no shots but like i remember getting promos from interscope records before anyone even knew like who this band were Mm -hmm. do you remember that like um do you remember universal did you ever have universal music's advanced record system i I didn't so inside baseball for listeners when you're like a music journalist um labels record labels will send you advanced copies of a band's record and usually it's through a program like holux which is really good where you can just you get them all on one sort of sh- internal secret streaming service that you can listen to but universal music had their own universal program and it was kind of janky but i just remember them just bombing me with those 1975 <laughs> and i was like who are these guys and at the same time that band the neighborhood were blowing up and i was right. like i kept getting the two bands confused but um yeah they this was to me i always saw through this and i saw it as the boy band invasion like to me in the beginning they were trying to bring boy bands back and you all you had them all at the same time you had one direction the rock boy band five seconds of summer the punk the punk boy band and then you had the 1975 the indie boy band mm-hmm. like this is what they were they were the fucking indie boy band and that's why they didn't get it any respect from like Pitchfork or the critic, you know, the critical blogs in the early days. But unlike those other bands, the 1975 worked out and evolved into something more than just an indie boy band. So, you know, that debut self-titled album comes and I don't use the term instant classic lightly, but kind of is right. I mean, there's a lot of filler on that record and it's not perfect by far, but when it hits, they've never hit it better. You know, uh, yeah. unless for you, it's they've hit it better I mean, on this song. But <laughs> I mean, it's um, is this it's good? Is, is this it's up its own there? thing? It's it's separate. Yeah, I mean, this is to me, like I said, when this album came out, these songs to me they sounded like they had existed for fifty years. You know, they were just that good. I was like, this song's obviously been out for twenty years. I know this. When I heard this song, oh, I right. felt like I had known it already for right. for my whole life. You know, when I heard chocolate, when I heard girls, I was like, oh, that that's like some British band from the 70s. Right. You know, totally. and yeah, sex. Great song. Um, dude, the robbers video is amazing. Have you ever watched that music video? Mm-hmm, definitely. Oh, my God. You know, like almost brings a tear to your eye. And it even plays on the Bonnie and Clyde trope, which I fucking hate. But mm-hmm. that is a great music video. Just that era of the band was so great. And Maddie, like truly became a style icon like totally. he's serious dude, oh. there were a lot of people who wanted to look so like him. many like, dudes were trying to pull off that hair man it was like kind of the next sunny Moore. remember how everybody every Holy scene kid shit. wanted to look like sunny yep. every hipster music industry bro wanted to look like matt healy mm-hmm. so does this song live up to those three hits off that first record for you for me yeah it does it like it, it goes toe to toe or is it better to me, it's toe to toe with chocolate Holy and girls shit it's man. probably better than sex wow no, no pun intended wow i'd say better than sex on par with chocolate and girls i mean i've added it to my banger playlist but i need some time with it man like i yeah. really like this song but i need i need i need a summer with it I'm, but dude I'm excited <laughs> for this record, man. Dude, me too. Okay, so during this time too, Maddie also quote dated T Swift. Remember that? Like Dude, I the remember rumors the were going around that he was... Yeah, I remember running and the story. And what's funny is he didn't really date her, and everybody in the industry <laughs> knew knew that. It, what Taylor Swift is, it's like this business she has where like this is all my theory, but a record label can pay Taylor Swift a fuck ton of money. <laughs> 
to say so that you they can start a rumor that their singer is dating Taylor. Mm-hmm. And if Taylor gets this check, she will not deny that she's dating the person. She will not say she's dating the person, but she won't deny it for a set period of time, like six months, which is what happened here. Mm-hmm. T-Swift was totally paid off. She never dated Matt Healy. And that's how this went down, in, Matt, in my opinion. Matt coming in it's with a, a sir, fire that's, take. Man, that's why she's dated so take. many male singers. It, it it makes, you know, if you need your singer to look really fucking cool for us for six months during the album cycle, you have them linked up with T-Swift. You know, that, we know how the music industry works behind the curtain. It's all a setup. It's all fake. Nothing you, is you, real. You think, you think Halsey and G-Eazy actually like each other? Holy shit. I just had a long conversation with that, uh, with a friend <laughs> off the show. Oh my god, man. We can't go there right now. But uh, yeah, man. Nothing matters. No one exists on purpose. <laughs> Come watch right. TV with me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Shasta Rick and Morty. Um, I like... Uh, okay, so I like it when you sleep comes out. Um, love me. Terrible first single. Awful. Holy shit. Awful. Um, disco pop duran duran ripoff it was um just bad it was pretty jarring and i was pretty uh you know coming off that self-titled record where you know they definitely felt sort of how 21 pilots felt around blurry face like we're like this is they're the biggest band now you know and they're gonna be huge i was a little disappointed by that but at the same time i thought the visuals for that album tease were just amazing and groundbreaking the use of the pink neon everywhere and the neon signs everywhere holy shit like, the visual tease to that album was fire. It was good. They had the aesthetic down, man. I remember running all those stories on Alternative Press, and, like, I was into the singles from this band, but I was still... I was excited for the next record. I was excited to witness it, because I didn't witness the first... the the rollout of the first album. I was I was a bit behind on the 1975, but... um. Yeah. Yeah, I just I remember because I was I was trying to lock down a premiere on Alternative Press for this record, and I was on email chains for like four months with people on oh, their yeah. team, and I was I was Dude. trying so hard, and we never remember, ended up getting it. But I remember when I was there, we were trying to get them on the cover, and right? um, no, yeah, I think they were like, "Now nah, we're going with the fader or something." And I was like, "God, they were they were just went up." Yo, yeah. yo, all those singles came out. And it was just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Well, Some of from the my record, perspective, yeah. Love Me was so terrible that when uh exclamation point came out, it was a bit of a relief, I think, for fans too, because it blended that 80s pop with sort of their older style. A little it bit. sounded more like the 1975 again. And then the sound came out, which I know you don't like that song. Mm-hmm. I like that song, but that was their biggest US radio hit. I mean, it was in constant rotation and mm-hmm. it was necessary for the band to sort of take that next step as a musical act, I think. And I, I'm just, I think the sound is an achievement. You know what I mean? It's the reason why they were able to come back and do this on the level that they're doing it. Yeah. It, it just, that it, song was everywhere. It really saved that cycle. I think it, it was made... just a, the solid radio hit that they needed that they had never had. Right. And man, the DJs, I don't know, the rock guys, they just couldn't stop spinning it all summer. It was just the sound every other song um and then i think somebody else it's a pretty good song i like that one i mean i i i actually like this record i mean to me it the record is more it's the album is more of a mood like just like the band is kind of more of a mood like the record's like a state of mind it just puts me in a certain headspace and i like it for that you know the record's probably like a high seven for me yeah i'm at like a high five it was just um, there was just so much filler for me my favorite song off of it is she's american uh, yeah, I feel like that's one. very self-titled kind of. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, to- that that intro. Totally. Right, right. That riff. That intro yeah. goes off at shows too. I know. They, I know. they intro that song. Um. So, but this album sold a hundred thousand copies first week. Yeah. I mean, this is that was it. I mean, this is like here they are. You know, they're not you know Paramore selling fifty thousand copies. Shit, they're they're one of the big boys now. You know, and th- this this record went gold. So did self-titled. So they have two gold records under their belt, you know, gold meaning 500,000 copies. So all that said, I am really freaking excited for this new album. There's just so much to talk about. We have the aesthetic change and the fact that the music is actually good is and it provides so much commentary to unpack. Isn't it? Isn't it great when music is good? Like, (laughs) and also, isn't it great when a rock band, like a band does something new that you've never heard before? Like you can't compare this song to any other song like oh my god surprise us holy shit you know what i mean like 
Right. I just I, all these bands who put out the same fucking song every time. It's like you know. I know. All right, I gotta stop sucking this band. Dude. Stick, but, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So on that note, I'm going to say I'm a little concerned about the numbers. This YouTube video is still under a million views last time I checked. They're only at 1.7 million on Spotify. And I'm kind of wondering, like, are people over it? Are people over the 1975? Are they as big of a deal as they were, you know, peak this tease? You know, and did they burn too many fans with the last album? Did Love Me, you know, just scar too many people? I'm not sure if it was the last record because it ended up writing well enough to get them to Mm. where they're at now. I'm almost wondering if it was the gap because the 1975 were teasing like in January, I think it was. And then they just dropped a live record. And I feel like that, from what I understand, a lot of fans felt burned by that. A lot of fans love that live record now, like the diehards absolutely mm-hmm. ride for it. But we were all, when they were teasing back then, we were all expecting the new single. And then all they did was just come out and drop a live album. Right. Um, and then, you know, here we are, what, five months later, and now we're just getting new music. I almost wonder if the gap was too long and they were out of the conversation for too long. Because they've been teasing, but it's all been within their yeah. 1975 bubble. They haven't had any, like, breakout, like, news stories outside of and, the general cycle that they always get. And there was there was so much fucking teasing with the last record that I just felt tease fatigue. Right. Like, I just didn't care. Stop teasing. You know, like, they did... They overtease. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, they tease... So If you're going to tease that much on your last record, your new record, you need to just surprise drop it or something. Okay. Uh, first week predictions, Tyler, for Ooh, the new record. Man. When it comes out. Man. We're doing these this early, huh? It's, it's early. Man. You want me to go first? It's tough. Um, I can go first. Yeah, you go first, and let me, let me think about it. Okay. So, I'm thinking 78,000 copies first week. I think Ooh. I think they're going to take a little bit of a hit for reasons you just described. I'm thinking that the hit might be more than that, man. Okay. I'm th- I'm going to say 55. Ooh. Oh no. This I is good. I... I don't know if there's a spot for this song on radio. Definitely. I can I totally see that point. Um okay, well I hope your prediction doesn't come true. Okay, so, so... we have spent a lot of time on the <laughs> Let's move on to our next story. NoFX got canceled this week. Um, while playing Vegas, they joked about the Vegas shooting, and Fat Mike said of the Vegas shooting victims, at least they were country fans and not punk fans. That's a quote. Terrible, disgusting, tasteless. What else do you say about this, Tyler Sharp? I, and trigger warning to any NoFX fans out there, I am surprised it has taken this long for this band to get canceled. Um, this band has kind of made their career off being offensive as many kind of crude punk bands have, but no effects like to take it and really push, really pump the gas when it comes to being offensive. And, um, regardless of all the parties involved and whoever was there and whoever witnessed it, this band had a hand in creating some inner turmoil within uh, my favorite band, Under How the fuck did I know you were going to bring this up? And how the <laughs> fuck did I have it in my notes to, to ask you about it? Because I want to know Under Oath's reaction. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, they're not going to say anything, but they've brought it up in recent interviews. I've, I've heard. Tyler Sharp, I think you have to recuse yourself from this story. I, a, I mean, yeah, fan, I mean, I'm you... biased against no effects. The I'll backstory, for it. those who don't know, is that no effects came at Under Oath hard on, I want to say it was Warped 06. Yep. It was, no the, effects were, it was the were, month leading up to Define the Great uh, Lines release. Yeah. Uh, no effects, Fat Mike made, made fun of Under Oath every day on stage. It was actually pretty funny back then. Um, but, um, you know, Under Oath, the band, they, they, they didn't like it. And uh, Yeah, they didn't like it so much that <laughs> and they, they've come out and said now that they didn't drop off the tour and break up behind they, the scenes yeah, because of left. Fat Mike. <laughs> but... He was an antagonist, motherfucker. He was go, look, dude. Look at me, like he was going after from first to last. My favorite band. He was going after them too that same year. All the emo uh, bands, all the emo bands, and yeah. he went. He went after Under Oath pretty so, purely for their Christian beliefs at that yeah. point. But um, so it was weird seeing No Effects make national headlines, though. Like it was just weird, like seeing them, you know, on CNN and shit. That was just. Did it wild. break onto CNN? Dude, it was everywhere, bro. Like Fox News, like this story went everywhere. And I guess, you know, the band lost endorsements, which 
They had, they had apparently. Yeah. They had a beer um, endorsement they, that they lost. Yeah. They got kicked off their own festival. They've apologized, but you know, to me, it's just stupid drunk fat Mike. I've never taken him seriously. I don't think his fans are gonna give a shit about this. You know, old punks. These are. This is that generation that likes making people upset. Pre-blinked Warp Tour. You know, Lagwagon, no use for a name. Kevin Lyman Core. That era of punk, like that was a different spirit, and that spirit was fuck you. You know, that was the idea back then, was fuck you. Like, that was what punk was about. It was about upsetting people back then, or at least that group of punk. And that's all this is. This is an older generation aging out here. And now it's it's tasteless and unacceptable. But that's all it is. It's a passing generation. I don't. I just. I don't think we have to worry about that, Mike. I mean, the band doesn't even tour yeah. at this point. You know, like this festival was like their first big thing in fucking forever. You know, but yeah. I mean, they. I mean, remember the Dickies last summer? Same yeah. era. I mean, the same, same generation, right? Then the, yep. that. That's what these punks were about, and 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 they have not. They still live in that era, and their same fans will go to their same show. It's just, it's it's its own bubble, I guess, at this point. Um, yeah. Funny joke I saw. I don't know if it was a Hard Times article or just a joke I saw, but it was that uh, they were dropped from Fat Records because of this. Oh, like Fat for... Mike, Fat Mike oh, dropped himself. Oh, That's hilarious. Gotcha. Gotcha. Remember it, when the owner of Rise Records signed himself? Oh, I, I defeat the low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually like that record somewhat. Is this going to affect NoFX's legacy at all? No, I didn't think not so. To, not to their fan. Their fans are those people. Right. You know what I mean? Right. A lot of Mohawks. No, no shots at Mohawks, but a lot of Mohawks. Um. <laughs> all right, we got to move on, Tyler, to our next story, which is Blink One Eighty Two. They began their Vegas residency this week, and uh, during that, they played Adam's song for the first time in nine years. T Sharp, did you see any of this? I did. I did see. I saw Adam Song. I saw Feeling This. I saw Damn It and a couple others. But Adam Song, it was cool to see him play it for sure. Um, you know, this is the second week in a row we're talking about live Blink performances. I'm 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 lacking in the energy department, man. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's not that big of a story, but um, you know, um, they also played "Don't Leave Me" and they played the party song, which I don't know if they've ever played the party song. And that's okay, one of my was favorites. that the first and, one? So yeah, so a lot of Enema. They were playing a lot of Enema, which you know makes sense during a residency. But dude, the Adam song, too much emotion for me. I still can't listen to that song. I mean, I mean it's just that was, such that was a one sad of my song. Favorite Blink songs growing up. I loved it, but I just can't listen to it anymore. Awesome. You know, as yeah. people I've known have died, I just right. I can't do it. It's the song is so tragic. So I really like I couldn't even get through the video of them playing it. I don't listen to that song anymore. It's just it just brings you down. But they opened with feeling this, which can you imagine? You're just sitting, you know, in that dark fucking theater and you don't know what they're going to open with. And you and then you just hear Barker slam on that kit. And as soon as you hear those drums, you know what's coming. Like mm-hmm. you're 12 years old again. Like I'm 12 again in that moment. You know, what a great song to open with feeling this. And then the lights shoot up and Barker's going oh absolutely God. ham. And then you have two is, dudes in their 40s standing up on stage, not moving. It's, <laughs> what a, yeah, it's just what a what a fucking song to open with. You just the fill, you know, it's the first time his drumstick hits the kit. You know what song's coming. It's just such an iconic track i love it i, I mean i'll oh. catch some flack from it from this question but just don't at me is that the best blink song uh it it's close it's top five for sure okay all right i think it's top five for sure um my favorite blink song is all of this which is so random but I, it's just touching to me and they didn't play that so i was disappointed okay. but um one of my uh, is uh, blink you know i thought it was a good performance they are you know one of my top five favorite bands of all time so it's fun to see anything else on blink t-sharp no i hope they up the ante a little bit i know they're getting up there but come on i don't want to be bored <laughs> watching this band <laughs> all right um well i'm gonna end that blink slander and we're gonna move on to our next story okay as they dying are apparently returning possibly with the original lineup after singer Tam- Tim Lambesis was released from prison for allegedly hiring a hitman to kill his then wife and mother of his children, Megan. So I got to say, you know, I'm not like an SJW. I'm not anti SJW. If that's your thing, go do it. That's great. You know, like, here's me. Like, I like to make my money. I like to eat the food I like. I like to see my friends. 
and generally I just like to be left the fuck alone. You know, I'm a typical anti-participatory, nihilistic, apathetic millennial, right? <laughs> Matt Healy fucking hates me as much as he hates himself. But this is where I think I'm going to have to draw the line. Wow. Like, he tried to have someone killed. People can't support this shit. But they are. And I, I, I'm not going to be one of them. You're going to listen, though. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to. We, well, I mean, we have to. We got to talk about it on the show. But I don't know if I can. Dude, come on. This was one of your favorite bands of all time. I know, but this is just too much, man. It's tough. It's definitely a difficult situation. And I mean, the answer tried... the answer is your response. That's the correct answer, right? We don't support this yeah, at all. Yeah, I mean, my answer is obviously the correct response. But yeah, it's blurry. It's complicated. And I have a belief. And that belief is everyone deserves a second chance. But here's the thing, like... No, he's getting a second chance at life, you know, and he's lucky for that. Does he get a second chance at Azalea dying? I don't think he deserves that. I mean, that's up for the fans to decide, right? I mean, he can do whatever he wants because he's, a, you know, he served the time. He served his sentence. He's out now and he's going to do what he wants to do within, you know, legal parameters. And there's nothing illegal about creating art after you get out of prison. Um, I just, you know, as an as as a longtime Asley dying fan, you know, I was toying with this idea in my head, and I was like, I'm gonna maybe try to see what I can do to forgive Tim and listen to this. But now I'm just like, when faced with it, I'm just like, no, I'm not about this, you know. And these members who, what fucking hypocrites, you know, like Woven War totally that bombed was my and next failed. Question. Yep. And Mancino, Josh, Phil, they're all gonna come back. Nick Hippa, Nick, after what he fucking said mm-hmm. about Tim and the condemnation he brought down and the self-righteousness he brought down about Tim to launch Woven War and get headlines. Nick Hippa, if he, you're gonna be if he's really gonna be back in this band, that's fucking just so hypocritical. Gotta make some money, man. He's got bills to pay. Yes, man, <laughs> I know. Like, I mean, that's what it comes. That, that's Shit. what it comes down to, right? They need to make some money because Woven War just hit the fucking gutter, man. They wrote a radio rock record that was decent, but it didn't really take them anywhere. And then they wrote a metalcore record that no one ever even heard. Yeah. So we, we we knew this was coming deep down. I feel like we knew this was coming, right? Yeah. Like this this was gonna happen sooner or later. Um, Don't you feel like a lot of other bands are totally canceling gone for way less than attempted murder? You know, and and yet we're going to let this guy come back. I I'm just I'm not going to be a part of it. We we ride and die in the court of public opinion in 2018. And, you know, to to an extent. Um, I'm choosing my words carefully here, but, um, you know, prison mentality kind of applies out here. And there is some sort of, I don't know what it is, but people, for whatever reason, in 2018 are more forgiving of someone who allegedly attempted to hire someone to kill his wife than uh, other things that we've seen bands get canceled for. other terrible allegations we've seen. Right, right, right. It, but it it doesn't i mean uh, fine but i still this is just too much for me and sh- shots to brian storm that's how i got all my info for this was from his video just quick shots to be storm i watch all his videos to study for the show um, <laughs> shouts yeah you know this was one of my favorite bands they were arguably the best metalcore band of all time one of the biggest probably the biggest shadows shadows of security was one of my favorite albums but i'm out that's all i you know that's all i got to say i mean you're you're in the right there you're definitely in the right all right. Well, anything else on Azalea Dying, Tyler Sharp? I don't think so, man. I'm kind of dreading that song. That song talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our pop story, which is none other than Drake versus Pusha T. You know, the rappers have squared off in the best rap beef of our generation. Um, before we get into this, I'm just going to kind of break down the quick history of this beef, Tyler, so I can get us to a starting point. Okay. Cool. So who is Pusha T? Some of you might be wondering. For some of our less you know, savvy uh, rap fans out there, uh, he started in Clips, but really like became sort of an iconic rapper in the early 2010s when he signed to Kanye's label, Good Music. And he kind of came up, even though he was way older than them, he came up as part of that same class of rappers as like Big Sean. Kendrick, J. Cole, A$AP Rocky, Wally, Meek Mill, all of them. You know, he, he in he's not mainstream, 
but he's huge in the rap world and he's highly respected for his lyrical talent and his authenticity. His albums are always an event in the rap world. Um, I think Ice Cube said it best. I think it was Ice Cube who said, who said he's not the biggest rapper, but he's your favorite rap fans, favorite rapper. And that kind of is Pusha's MO. Um, Pusha has been around for a while and had beef way back with Lil Wayne and Cash Money Records, uh, Lil Wayne's label. And that, beef was inherited by Drake when Drake joined Cash Money Records. And there's always been tension there. And Drake took a shot at Pusha on Two Birds, One Stone. And Push, who has been gone for a few years, finally dropped his debut album, Daytona. And it's being hailed as a classic. It got Best in Music on Pitchfork, Nas, Puffy. Every rapper has co-signed this record as being a great one. You know, uh, New York Magazine ran the headline, Pusha T, Pusha T is having a moment again. And they're right. And they ran that before the beef. So that's kind of where we are. And the last track on Daytona, Infrared, he sniped at Drake, calling out Drake's use of ghostwriting um, and ghostwriters, uh, Quentin Miller in particular, and that whole thing that went down between him and Meek Mill. Um, and so Drake replied within 24 hours with the Duppy freestyle, dissing Push for being old and really also coming at Kanye very hard with disses. And... Um, I guess we'll start there, Tyler. That was impressive, the Duppy freestyle. It was, but I felt like it was over really quick. You yeah. know, I, I especially in the context of Push's response, you know, like mm-hmm. Duppy doesn't even matter at this point, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to think in that pre-added sure. on world. It I, was, pe- the talk seemed to be, people were impressed with how fast Drake responded. Yeah, I think I was ultimately disappointed in the song itself. <laughs> like, yeah. like I- I've never, I don't think I've ever actually liked a Drake diss track, even like with the Meek Mill shit. I, th- oh I just, I just kind of felt like those tracks were kind of lackluster and this back definitely back fell into that. Top 10 diss track of all time. Ooh, I don't know. So good, dude. It, dude, not only was it, did it destroy Meek's career? But it was pl- bumped in the clubs all year. But it didn't. He's hundred percent uncanceled now. He's back. Meek is back. That man. that's a whole that's a whole separate reason right, why he's back. Right. Had right, he right. not gone to prison and got the for sympathy sure. card, you know, for sure, for sure, Drake fucking bombed his career. So it was interesting to see Drake come at both Pusha and Kanye, and I feel like the Kanye wave really boosted this, you know. And yeah. I, and I almost feel like when they were writing it, they were like, "We gotta incorporate Kanye, or else, you know, Drake." calling out Pusha is that really going to make as big a waves you know a Drake, that, Drake calls out Pusha and Kanye is bigger than Drake calls out Pusha right and that was kind of what I felt though the inherent flaw in this song like because he was really replying to Pusha Pusha's who called him out sure. but most of the song was about Kanye exactly. he was dissing Kanye and um I thought for a second we were about to see a Drake Kanye nuclear rap war. You know what I mean? That's what I thought was going to happen. I see. And I mean, the I thought, thought it popped into my head, but Kanye's current mentality—he's—he's he's not getting into any rap battles anytime true, soon, man. True, true, true. But I just the idea to me of a Kanye Drake rap battle in the sure, history books, sure. like nothing bigger could have happened. So it was just my mind went there, and you know, we've had we've had rap beefs band beefs what you know musical beefs have been around forever and and Mm -hmm. they're exciting sometimes they end tragically sometimes they end they just fizzle out but they can be really exciting they've just been mozart and salieri you know back in the day man composers were fucking those dudes wanted to shoot each other with crossbows they i mean there was that was real gangster beef back in the day mozart and salieri like just composers going at it so my point here is just you know Rap beef is fun, and I think we can enjoy it. But so, getting to our next part, Pusha responded, you know, not Kanye. Kanye didn't respond, as you said. He's in no place to. Pusha responded with a way better diss track called The Story of Adidon. And Drake got smoked. Drake's canceled, man. <laughs> he got smoked. So, the, just the knives, man. They didn't stop coming. Daggers. And so, like, the big takeaways from this Drake diss track is, first, you got the album artwork, which was Drake in blackface, which was just terrible to see, horrible, and was memed the fuck up all over the internet. I mean, that... that the blackface alone was bad enough. And, but the other big takeaway from this diss track was that 
Drake has a secret child with a porn star that he's been hiding and is possibly being a deadbeat dad. And um, holy shit, man. I mean, just a lot of damage came out of this song. So little context for me. I was at a Newfound Glory show when this <laughs> dropped, which, right? Okay. As you do. And Brian Storm texted me. I checked my phone in between songs, and all I see is Drake is hiding a child. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? Come again? And then he keeps sending me texts. He's like, Pusha just ended Drake, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh like, what do you God. you mean? You mean the number one artist in Spotify worldwide has been ended? Yeah, you know, I, like we were we were entering an era where Drake was untouchable. Dude had really? 50 million listeners on Spotify worldwide. And I mean, was he the uh, hip hop artist? But he had also gone against a true rapper, Meek Mill, and totally smoked him and right. ended his career. And Drake, that was the thing is, you know, Drake, the only chink in Drake's armor was the ghostwriting. And when Meek came at him about it, Drake made sure to set an example to every rapper out there. If you come at me about my ghostwriting, I'm going to end your fucking career. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So Drake also had that battle rap thing on his side. The Meek Mill and Drake beef was very interesting. Drake obviously won. Uh, Meek has since been uncanceled for outstanding reasons. And now, you know, I feel like after that, Drake really felt like he had his soapbox established. You know, like he had the authority over any rapper that wanted to come at Because, I mean, what every rapper out there had to seriously think, do I really want, is it worth dissing Drake? You know what I mean? Because it's not. He's going to, he was going to come at you and end your career. And that's why I feel like his Kanye call out in the track is him just being overconfident. Yeah. You know, like he he didn't even think that a full track towards Pusha was worth it in a sense. Obviously there's some PR in there, you know, like I talked about before, but it's kind of like, you know, you aren't even worth a full diss track. I'm going to bring in your producer. Yeah. He's trying. It's almost like an insult in in and of itself. Exactly. By not focusing on him. Yeah. But but you know Pusha got under his skin. And oh, absolutely, dude. And it we should say beforehand, this is actually a great song sonically. Yeah. We're gonna go through it. So reactions. So first time hearing this song. So I just want to point out the lyric when I first heard it. You are hiding a child. Let that boy come home. Deadbeat motherfucker playing border patrol. I fell out of my chair, dude. And all I saw was red everywhere in the room. I saw flames surrounding me when i heard that line oh my god even and then the little ooh he drops after that like he knows the bomb he just dropped oh my god dude for me it was just like what it was like that meme of that old lady who fell out of bed and i was like you know when i heard that song oh my god like and then also the other meme that came to mind was um it's that one where there's a guy looking like he's being interviewed on local news with a mic up to his mouth and he looks really concerned and he he's just saying when I heard that, it was shocking to me. Like, that's, that's what I thought when I heard this fucking verse, man. Dude. When I'm... I heard that, it was shocking to me. Like, I was just like, oh, my God. Torched. I... So when I sat down to listen to it, I was with my buddy, and it didn't even, like, it was, it peaked the savage meter so hard for me that it didn't even process when I heard it. I was like, what is he saying? Like, come again? It's kind of like that meme where I don't know where it was from, but it's the gif where he's blinking and he's like, huh? Blinking guy. Yeah, 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 right? And then then once I listen to it. You're thinking in memes because this battle is going on with memes just everywhere. Like, you know what I mean? The meme has become such a big part of the Those are the legs, man. Those are the legs that it has to keep running. But I I need a dude. I needed a life alert, man. Like, I was about yeah, to totally. push that life alert button, man. <laughs> totally. Oh, my God. Totally. Dude. And, oh, my God. I, it's just, have we seen, have we ever seen at any given moment the world's biggest artist get taken down like this? Like I said, when I heard that, it was shocking to me. Tyler Sharp. It was I, shocking. I'm and, pretty sure this is unprecedented. Another line. Um. And he deserves more than an Adidas press run. Love the ba- that baby. Respect that girl. Forget she's a porn star. Let her be your world. So the context here, Drake had a clothing line with Adidas coming out that mm-hmm. was going to be named after his son. Allegedly. And, um, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. And um, this is such an effective diss track, not only because it's a good song, which we'll talk about, but because it did real fucking damage. First off, 
it destroys Drake's credibility with women, his main audience. Women have really carried Drake. And to know that he's like ashamed of this girl because she's a porn star and he's hiding her. She's the mother of his fucking children. You know what I mean? And he should be loving her and honoring her and, you know, loving this child and not hiding this child. And so Pusha has destroyed Drake's credibility with women. He destroyed a multi-million dollar deal with Adidas. Because when you think of it, who the fuck would ever name wear a clothing brand named after this now? You know what I mean? That brand will forever be stained with that image of Drake and Blackface. Nobody will ever wear a clothing line by the name of Adidon or uh, whatever it was going to be named. I think it was a similar name. So it did real damage. It also fucked Drake's whole album rollout because now mm-hmm. this is all anyone's ever going to be talking about is the push this and the Drake machine, man, before this disc, it was running perfect. Amazing. I, like just, so well oiled. You got God's plan and nice, nice for what? Nice for what, man? Nice Number for ones. what? And it was just like the Drake machine. You could just see it. Oh my God. It was on full firing full cylinders just perfect and push just through this wrench in it and now it is broken and it is jammed and it is grinding it has come to a screeching halt and what was probably what i found most comical out of this whole thing is that the last tweet on drake's uh twitter account before all of this happened and then wallet while it happened you know everyone's going to his account to see if he's posted anything and it just says i'm upset which was right. the title of his last song i'm like hell yeah you're upset man yeah <laughs> no he shit dropped, i'm upset after the duppy freestyle he was like kind of like man let's get back to the album you know what i mean he right. thought that was like this is over you know he it, didn't it's know over. you know oh, he and had it, no idea up- man a question to me which is something i wondered do you think the uh, the shot on infrared was push laying like a bear trap you know, was he waiting for Drake to take that bait? Did he think Drake would respond and he had this fire ready? That like he had this missile ready to shoot at Drake? Or do you think it was more organic and he didn't know if Drake would respond God. and push it really? Because, man, if he came up with all this that quick, you know, wow, what a journalist, you know? Right, no. What an investigative I, motherfucker. Like, he found out all this in this dirt on Drake. I didn't know Drake had a kid. Did you know? I had no like, idea. No, I was in the. I worked in the music industry, and nobody I knew knew that. You know what I mean? I know it was a rumor around and st- stuff, but holy shit! Like this was shocking. Yeah, I would love to think that they were playing chess in that studio. You know, when yeah. they when they were writing infrared, and they were they had this in the can and ready to roll as soon as Drake came back. You know, but I don't know for sure. Um, like you said, if it wasn't, then props to them for digging this up so quick. Yeah, um, they did. <laughs> they, did the, they did their homework really fast. It might be more plausible to think that they did this while they were in the studio. But you know, the thing it's, is, Kanye. You, it, know, right. they, you know, him and Kanye were up in Wyoming making the album and right. Daytona. That's and what I Ka- wanted to bring up was the fact that Kanye was right. pr- produced uh, Push's album and basically and Kanye was very close with drake for a very long time so if somebody's gonna have a lot of dirt on drake you know it's gonna be kanye right and basically pusha releasing this diss you know right after the album drops and all that stuff it's a kanye cosign man totally like kanye is backing this song totally i mean kanye and drake have kind of been a little rivalry rival there's a little rivalry there you know the last few years as drake has become Number one, you know, there's a natural tension that comes with that. For right, because Kanye. Kanye wants to be that, you know, right. and Pablo didn't take off like he thought it would. So, so yeah, you know, he's he's surgical, as he says in the song, you know, it's, it's just going to be a surgical Drake. summer, man. He's Oh, my God, dude. Volume one, he says at the end, like volume he's got more. One. He's got more dirt, you know, and he's cutting Drake with a thousand knives. And the other thing, it's actually a good song. To me, like it feels like a summer jam. Like I give it an eight out of ten as a song alone. Same. That's where I was at with it, man. It, I was so impressed with. That's your score. With yeah, eight out of ten. Nice. I was so impressed with not only the homework that was in the in the and the legwork that was put into this song, but the beat, man. Like it's a vibe. It's, oh yeah, it, dude. Like this is a good he, summer song. He's over that um, no ID beat, which is you know Jay Z is the story of OJ beat. And um, you know I was when I when I was playing this for some friends, we were all listening to this. Everyone you know who were mo- they were mostly Drake fans, and they were like, uh, I don't like this. You know what I mean? Push her over that beat. It's scary. Like it's too confident. You right. know when he's coming in over that beat in the beginning it's just like oh no this sounds scary push over that beat so it's actually a great song drake can either 
you know, he can only respond with a better diss track or he can tap out. What do you think he should do? I mean, I want to preface this by saying I think no matter what, Drake's going to be okay in the end. Like, if he tapped out now, I think he'd be fine. He'll he'll lose that rap street battle cred. But as far as pop radio goes and being the big, I think he will just continue to be the biggest artist in the world if he taps out now. Yeah, I don't... um... So that preface, um, I want to ask what you think Drake should do. I mean, what what's the move? What should he do or what I think he's going to do? Both. Both? What I think he should do? Yeah, I agree. I think he should move on. I think he should call it a day, you know, drop kind of eight mile it in a way that everyone's telling him to do on a diss track, but eight mile mm-hmm. it through the album. Like mm-hmm. focus on that because that's going to keep your career going. You know, like this, this disc as savage and as potentially career killing as it is it it will blow over because attention spans are just that short nowadays but um and drake is just so big i mean we haven't really said it. he's He's the the, biggest he's the biggest artist artist in the the planet you know what i mean he just he's that guy and there's a section of the world that probably doesn't even know this is going on you know right totally so now what i want him to do is I want him to come back guns blazing, but dude, we saw that alleged tweet that Drake has money out. You know, Pusha tweeted that Drake has a hundred grand out to get info and deets on Pusha to dig up some dirt. And dude, I mean, if you if that's your homework, like you, dude, Drake's on tilt. He's he's on tilt here. He's off balance. It, yeah, dude. It, I mean, this totally... song would put any man off balance. You, like, you know, you just got the... your shit lit up. You got your $10 million Adidas deal, deal burned up. You know, like, there are probably executives angry about this. You know, it's just the just damage. Completely. Like, he was in the ring. He was going at him. He thought he had gotten a pretty good shot in oh, at Pusha. And then Pusha came back out of nowhere while Drake was almost celebrating at that point. Yeah. And, like, Drake's uh, almost you know, knocked had, out, Drake man. had Instagrammed the invoice for um, right. creative. Right. And it was Holy just like, Drake shit. was like, game over. I won. Y'all love me. And now listening to Duppy Freestyle, it's like, oh, no, man. You, no. Know, it's you <laughs> didn't want this, man. It, you didn't dude, want it. It was, It really feels like a fucking setup. Like, it really yeah, feels oh, like I know, a fucking total setup. Tra- and that's my whole point about why what I think he should do is tap out and move on. Because like you said, I w- it would be cool to see him come back guns blazing and light push it up. But even if he does, I think push is going to just come back and light him up harder. Pusher wants all that fucking smoke. You know what I mean? He says on the, uh, he says on the diss track, speaking of Kanye West, how dare you put yay in my verses? I'm selfish. I want all the curses. He's like one of those guys in a fight who wants to get hit. You know, he wants this battle. He has nothing to lose. He's crazy. You don't like Drake doesn't want to get involved in th- in this. You know what I mean? Push is going to take it way further than Drake is willing to. Push has nothing to lose. Drake has a lot to lose. You know, yeah, this is only helping Push and making Push's career bigger while he has an album coming out. Drake has a lot to lose. So I think Drake should tap out. I mean, I think he should too, but just for the sake of, dude, what a week this was for him. Like, um, you want to talk about stories, man. What an exciting yeah. time to be a hip hop fan. We used to have this, man. Ronnie Reg, yeah. he was on the run from the fucking law, man. Like, there were, there were, there were times, yeah. man. There was times where this, this, this was the scene, dude. And now <laughs> it's, it's, it's cool to see stories and music and things associated with musical artists dominate conversation. I love that. I think Drake needs to put a ring on that girl's finger, take that baby in his arms, you know, make that his album cover. (laughs) And like, that's, you know, he's got to, you know, make those amends. One thing I think is my idea and it's not going to happen, but I think it would be great. The music video for this diss track should just be Kanye listening to it for the first time on his iPhone and reacting. That should just be the whole music video. Just Kanye sitting at a desk going, oh, push. It's hilarious. Yeah, dude. I would, just, I would totally watch that. Just a Kanye reaction video should be the official music video. Because you mean, know when he heard it, his hands were up in the air, and he was just like, "Oh, totally, totally." No, I um, 
it's just been so intriguing and enthralling, man. Like, Everyone I, I know is texting me, man, like, oh, Push! Like, dude, like, Push! You know? Even though Push is older, people have kind of always looked at him like little brother of hip-hop, and it's just like, little Push going in, you know? Like, Dude, he... It, it's just the way that they've captivated the entire conversation yeah. is just unreal, man. Like, who would have thought Pusha T'd be the guy to end Drake? He has a chance to be a star of his own. Totally. Like, for the first time. This and, like, is the catapult. I, this, this song I you know I've never I've always respected Pusha T and you know for being part of the runaway moment you know Kanye's runaway I'll always love him for that I love that verse and I just have never his rap is too real for me and let this is kind of another interesting conversation rap you know n- n- it's no secret I've been into the new rap you know all the colored hair you know all the the emo song called rap like that's what I'm about and Pusha is more about the classic he's a classicist right you know it's sure. old school hip hop and it was just never for me but this song makes me want to dive into his catalog, which I have started doing. And I actually really like Daytona. I think it's a total jam. I think he's going to win over a lot of people. I think he is too. Yeah, I think the album's a big grower. I think there's a lot of, uh, gosh, there's a lot of intrigue around the album cover. You know, Whitney Houston's bathroom. I think it's great. They dropped about Kanye and his team dropped about 85 Gs Mm -hmm. on that thing. And Kanye shot his album artwork on his iphone yeah, on the way right? to his listening party what that, just like hey man the, dude if that you're that's your label kanye's his label that's a good label to have you Lord, know what i mean god dude what a time to could you imagine being like a hip-hop blogger right now yeah, like you oh, are just no, rolling in the traffic oh absolutely things absolutely. are and good I, things are I good think right i now. like the name daytona like it just sounds like a classic name it really For works sure. well and i like that picture like you know it just shows the world that Pusha came from, which was drug dealing, it shows, you know, the splendor and the destruction of that world in one shot. And it's a real shot. And it's a, a chaotic and disturbing image. And I think it, it works as the album cover. Okay, so best rap diss tracks of all time. It is pretty well established. Tupac's Hit Him Up against Biggie. Nas's Ether against Jay-Z. Jay-Z's The Takeover against Nas. Ice Cube's No Vaseline directed at Eazy. And there's a bunch of others you could throw in there. Is this an all-timer for you of di- hip-hop diss tracks? I, I wouldn't put it above any of those. Maybe the 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 Easy E one. It's in the conversation, you know. If you have a Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. of uh, hip hop diss tracks or, or or like a top ten, I'd I'd put this in the top ten all time. Okay, for sure. I would. I'm gonna throw it in like the top seven because okay. you know those while those diss tracks are iconic. It was a lot of just like name calling, and sure. it, I mean, obviously the, the 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 Tupac Biggie one's bad because that ended tragically with mm-hmm. you know both of their deaths eventually. Right. But like you think of Nas and Jay Z, that was just a lot of them just fucking trading jabs. But this song to me is a better diss track because it the real damage it did. Like I said, the it fucked up an it. album rollout, yeah. it messed up a clothing line, and it messed up an artist's relationship with women. You know what I mean? And it's, I think it's so effective. So that's where I am with it. Nice for what, man? Nice for what? (laughs) All right. Well, that is it for the show this week, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for us, send them in to notescene at gmail.com, and we will talk about them on the show. Until then, see you next week.